Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another 2021-2022 NBA postgame recap. First one in a little while. Taking some time off, personally. Things going on, but slowly getting back into the swing of things. I promise I'll be better going forward, especially heading into the new year. Before we get started, as always, please make sure to subscribe on all platforms. YouTube, Time Tripper Podcast. Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. For tonight's episode, we are going to be talking about one game, one of the craziest regular season games I've seen in a long time, a triple overtime thriller at the Staples Center tonight, tonight where I was at earlier this morning. For the Clippers-Pistons blowout, which that vlog will be up tomorrow, hopefully in the morning, but most likely by 4 or 5 o'clock Pacific time, it'll be up. Make sure you go check that out when it comes out. By the way, before I get started on this Laker game that went into triple OT, let me just remind, Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime, but I also want to say that I am officially part of the hashtag or at hoop spaces community on twitter the spaces that you know basically like chat rooms where people can come in and talk and i'm a host of them you know i got a chance to talk to jamal crawford on one of the spaces one time and that was really cool it wasn't my space but the guy that got me to work or offered me a position with hoop spaces uh a good friend chris over at at hoop spaces make sure you shoot him a follow He'll be in the spaces with me, uh, I assume, here and there. But he got me a, ch- a chance, gave me a chance to talk to Jamal Crawford. And that was pretty cool one time. So I'm going to be doing the spaces, try to build the brand, try to build the name. Th- so make sure you hop into space. If you want to talk to me about basketball, you want to get your voice heard, basically like, you know, I don't have a call in right now or like a radio show where I hear you guys talk, but hop into the spaces every Thursday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific time. So that would be 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern time every Thursday on Twitter at Hoop Spaces. So definitely go check that out. Make sure you get Twitter. If you are one of my YouTube guys that's not on Twitter, go for it because I would love to hear from you guys in the spaces every Thursday. But let's get to the good stuff. Lakers and Sacramento Kings. This is the, I believe, first game that we've gotten the Lakers big three playing in a long time, right? Because LeBron just came back, and I guess against the Pistons. The Pistons was the last one, I believe, and the Celtics. The Pistons and the Celtics. And neither of those games looked very good at all. So tonight... You know, you hear before the game that Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes aren't playing. So, I'm thinking Laker win. But it may not be pretty. It may not be easy because we know this Laker team hasn't really found any chemistry, any camaraderie, any continuity with the rotations. Vogel is still figuring it out. You hear that the Sacramento Kings don't have Harrison Barnes or Rashawn Holmes. And 
Um, that's a plus for the Lakers, obviously, to have two of the Kings starters out, and you think you got to capitalize on that. You hear, you see the lineup come out for the Sacramento or for the Lakers, and DeAndre Jordan is starting yet again. And as a Laker fan, you've got to be, you know, really questioning Frank Vogel's decision here to keep doing this. There's been enough talk about AD at the five, but if AD seems resistant to play the five or you think you can't get rebounds, DeAndre Jordan does not seem like that answer. Um, Avery Bradley also, you know, I've, I've defended him a lot in the past, but it clearly seems as though his defense is not where it used to be. And it's not looking like the 2020 Avery Bradley that we saw before the bubble that started for the Lakers at alongside KCP. He is not offering much. And he continues to start. And he only plays like 20 minutes or less in most of these games that we've talked about recently. He only played 12 minutes tonight. DeAndre Jordan only played 11 minutes tonight. What's the point? Like, what's the point? You know, you're going with 10 deep. Bazemore's not getting minutes. Rondo's not getting minutes, and Austin Reeves is not getting minutes. There's really not much more that Avery Bradley and DeAndre Jordan are offering than those guys could at this point, especially Reeves, who didn't even get a sniff tonight, which I think was a huge mistake because I think that defensively he gives the Lakers a lot more than a lot of their guards. He just, you know, I'm not saying he's Caruso 2.0 because he's a white guy, but he actually fights over screens. He actually plays with some hard on defense because he's got a point to prove. He's trying to make him, He's trying to make a name for himself here. But anyway, Lakers in the first quarter, though, their defense was good. I thought it was one of the better halves of basketball defensively for the Lakers in that first half. Part of it is because the Kings just aren't very good, uh, at least with, with Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes out. I predicted them to be, I think, 12th in my preseason predictions, 13th or 12th. But, you know, they're not going to make the plan, in my opinion, just because they're the Kings. And I think that something always goes wrong. I do enjoy watching them play, and I love De'Aaron Fox, but I just don't think they're very good. And I think that the Laker defense was pretty good. They were just alert in the first quarter, you know, sharp, getting over screens. And... But offensively, they just did not get things going very smoothly. It was pretty stagnant. You know, surprisingly for the stops that they were getting, they weren't really getting easy baskets and getting an opportunity to run. Uh, LeBron started out hitting his first couple of threes, which would not end up being a good precedent or, you know, it didn't have a good effect on the game, in my opinion, for the Lakers in the long run and for him when he hit those first couple of threes because he fell too in love with that three as the game went on. And... I thought that AD, you know, I actually liked the way he came out. He had that really nice spin move on Shemezi Metu and then an up and under came up back on the right side off the glass when Alex Len came in, you know, for the help defense. And I thought that he actually drew a double team and I'm pretty sure got an assist to DeAndre Jordan on one of his only one of his two baskets. And I liked the way AD came out in the first quarter, even though he was one of four. The Lakers just didn't really, you know, move the ball quickly enough and weren't creating enough weren't creating much separation because Russ didn't start out very well. And the thing is, when LeBron has the ball on the top, Russ does nothing off the ball. Like, he really doesn't. He had one nice cut that we're going to talk about later in the game. I believe that came in overtime or in, in the end, or at the end of regulation. It was one of the two. I believe it was in overtime, though. Maybe. No, I think it was regulation, actually. To, to get put them down three. But other than that, Russell Westbrook off the ball, he doesn't really do much. So when Re LeBron is controlling things, you're not getting much from Russ off ball. And I just don't... It kills his rhythm in ways. 
And LeBron can be extremely stagnant too. And tonight was one of his very stagnant games. But anyway, 20 to 20 after the first quarter. I thought in the second quarter, though, and the Lakers actually created some separation for a second, going up by seven with, you know, one thing, and drop some comments, Laker fans. What do you think of the fact that in both halves, Frank Vogel went with a lineup that had LeBron and Anthony Davis on the bench at the same time? You know, with a lot of big threes, at least when you go back to the Miami Heat when they had LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. I remember Spo used to always leave two of the three in at all times to put the two better ones of the three on the bench at the same time. What do you guys think of that? Because I don't really know if that's good. I feel as though a lot of... I'm watching these games, and I'm feeling as though a lot of time goes by, and AD, especially AD, because I think he gets sat, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, before the quarter breaks, and he's still sitting out after the quarter breaks for a couple minutes. And that adds up to sometimes like 30 minutes of you just sitting on the bench. And look, I know that's a weird, I, I sound weird talking about minutes when I'm talk, I'm about to talk about a game that Russell Westbrook played 51 minutes, LeBron played 50, and AD played 49. But it didn't have to get to the stage had the Lakers taking care of business in regulation. And I feel like there are times throughout the game where these guys will be sitting out for a long time. Tell me if I'm wrong on that or how you feel about that. But by the way, before he went out, LeBron went out for the second quarter Russ-led unit without him and Anthony Davis. There was one play where I'm shocked that I haven't seen it on my Twitter feed or timeline or people talking about it and clowning about it. LeBron being guarded by Alex Len at the top. And, you know, AD actually had a good mismatch here. And I think he had just done that spin move. And I was thinking, like, are they going to feed AD now that he saw a shot go in? And this is a huge problem league-wide. Huge. And it's, it's no different than the Lakers. And you saw James Worthy talking about it in reference to Malik Monk later in the game, which we will get to. But guys do not look for the hot hand anymore. Like, enough. They don't look for the hot hand. They don't go until someone stops what they're doing. Like, if something is working, and I'm going to mention a specific instance later in the game where that was the case. But LeBron... You know, AD didn't want, they didn't look for AD who had a favorable switch. I think it was either Davion Mitchell or Terrence Davis. LeBron pulled it out against Alex Len. Mind you, he, Alex Len is, seems like he's read the scouting report. It's crazy because the way you guard LeBron now is the exact opposite of how you would guard him when, when he was young. When he was young, you would let him shoot and you would not want him to get downhill. Now he's very comfortable, you know, shooting that three ball. And you know, at times you still want him to take that. But he does not have the same explosion and first step anymore. And Alex Len knew that, and he pressed up on him and tried to get him to drive. And he tried, and he lost control of the ball and ended up traveling. And it was just very ugly looking. It was a very Leno bag kind of moment. And But anyway, in the second quarter, Russell Westbrook did a good job for a second of leading those guys. And Wayne Ellington, I thought was a real bright spot for the Lakers, doing a good job getting over screens and showing the most fight, using his body well, like taking good contact and staying up straight, getting his chest out, doing a really good job relative to guys like Malik Monk and Russell Westbrook on defense. So I thought Wayne Ellington did a good job, and I thought he was moving off the ball well and knocking down threes. And LeBron did make some good reads in that second quarter, as did Russell Westbrook. And the Lakers did go up, and I thought that they were playing really solid defense. But the last four minutes of the first half, the Lakers allowed the Kings to get back into the game and gain momentum going into that halftime. And we've talked about it with the Lakers this season. A lot of bad endings to quarters. And they were not moving the ball anymore. 
They were allowing offensive rebounds. Guys like Tristan Thompson, you know, I thought a couple times the Lakers had some weak switches. And Tristan Thompson went at THT twice in the post, and that made me happy because you guys know how much I love big men taking advantage of mismatches, going barbecue chicken. And that's exactly what Tristan Thompson did on a couple occasions. And I thought he actually had a really solid game overall off the bench for the Kings. 20 minutes played for Tristan Thompson, 13 points and 5 rebounds on 6 of 7 shooting. So I thought he was pretty efficient and good. But... The Kings, yeah, to, to go into the half tied at 43, that's where the Lakers got complacent, you know, allowing offensive rebounds, you know, taking difficult shots without moving the ball early in the shot clock. AD settling for a lot of jumpers. You know, I didn't like the first half from AD. I think he was only like 4 of 10. LeBron was only shooting threes, and when he came back into the game after his rest, he wasn't hitting them with the same frequency. And a lot of jumpers, it's just, it's like a lack of relentlessness, and it starts from LeBron and Anthony Davis to me. And I think that they... They're trying to get Russ accommodated. It's just such a weird fit, and Vogel doesn't really know what he's doing, and he's not a great offensive coach, so it's just very stagnant, take-turns offense. And, you know, you go to the third quarter, and I thought that the Lakers did not start out that quarter with with enough intensity. The Kings went up by six, but slowly the Lakers got back in the game. And two guys that I thought did a good job for the Lakers knocking down shots from the outside were Carmelo Anthony and Malik Monk. Carmelo Anthony, despite the fact that, man, that guy has not ever seen a shot that he doesn't like, he still is the best overall shooter to me on this Laker team because Malik Monk is the best long-distance shooter, three-point shooter, but I think from all areas of the floor, mid-range included, I think Melo is the best. Six of 13 for Melo tonight and four of nine from three, and he was plus eight with 16 points. So overall, I thought Melo actually had a very good contribution to tonight's game. I thought that he made big threes when the Lakers needed him. I thought Malik Monk was fantastic, and in that third quarter, a lot of it was because of Russell Westbrook when, again, that unit of Westbrook and the rest, Westbrook without LeBron and Anthony Davis, it was, you know, I think Dwight Howard was in there, and I thought Dwight was very average tonight, I thought he had, you know, his plus minus looks good, but I don't know, I didn't like the way he played tonight, I thought he had some very, you know, poor rotations, and just bad spacing moments where he'd get in the way of players, and didn't have any moments that I thought were impressive, uh, also had a donut, yeah, five rebounds, 0 of 1, I just didn't think he played that great. But he only played 16 minutes, so I can't be too critical. We started to see more AD at the 5 as the game went on. But that third quarter was the best quarter for the Lakers. They outscored the Kings 35-30. to And I think a huge reason was because when LeBron and AD went to the bench, Russ started getting into his stuff. And he got to the basket. I'm not sure if he got an and one or just a layup. But I remember after that, he tried to do the same thing. And they overhelped. Or they helped. Yeah, they overhelped. Basically, you know, threw a double at him, kicked it out to Malik Monk for a three, and started finding Malik Monk in that third quarter. And I thought that Russ was the main reason why the Lakers created separation. And also, Russ hit a three in that third quarter. And as it gave him good momentum going into the fourth, and the Lakers went up by 13 points. And I thought that that was the game. Like, I thought the Lakers had him, they were running away with it. They start slacking a little bit when AD comes back in the game. But also, I want to say this about Malik Monk and Anthony Davis. They've had two plays in a row, and I think this was in the first half, actually, in that second quarter towards the end. This is actually the beginning of the run that just closed the first half. Two really nice high pick and rolls with Malik Monk where the Kings tried to force him kind of like ice him or try to force him to the baseline, and he made really nice pocket passes to AD right in front of the foul line. 
right inside the foul line for those little one-handed push shots that you've seen for years with Russ and Steven Adams and various guys like that. And he made both of them. They tried it again, and the refs didn't call a clear foul. Malik Monk got hacked, and the Kings scored. And then the next play, it wasn't the same kind of – they didn't try to do that high pick and roll, but Malik Monk got a turnover because he was a little flustered. But we never saw that for the rest of the game. It's like I feel like the Lakers, as the game went on, became very stagnant, take turns. You know, it's just not looking for the right matchups. Just, just not playing good basketball. And I think the Kings got a lot of mismatches too because I think the Lakers switched unnecessarily at times as well. And the Kings don't look at these matchups. And like especially the back-to-basket guys and feeding the hot hand. And it's just, it was just, uh, it was entertaining ball, but it wasn't necessarily good ball. Uh, let me just say that. But when LeBron came back into the game in the fourth quarter, He hit a three, right? And I'm thinking, okay, LeBron's going to come save the day, but he hasn't really been shooting too much. The Lakers were up 91-84. Marvin Bagley comes back and hits a three. And by the way, Marvin Bagley, that was one of the best games I've seen him play as a pro tonight. He played a lot. He was long. I mean, I know he's a, I know he's a long guy, but he was actually using his length, playing good defense on various guys, even LeBron for stretches. Uh, and he was just a presence. He was just a good presence, and he, he had a good positive contribution tonight. And that was a big three to make it a four-point game. LeBron had a dunk on that nice Westbrook no-look to put them up six, and then it was the De'Aaron Fox show. And on a lot of occasions, the Lakers tried to switch the pick and roll with AD or LeBron guarding him at the top, and they went just a little too far underneath the screen, or they just didn't come up come up enough on the switch. And I know typically you just don't want to let De'Aaron Fox get downhill. You want to let him shoot. But he was hitting that shot. And he was hitting it as the game went, as the game started closing down to the wire. I also want to say, late in the game though, I put this one on LeBron James, mainly if I was a Laker fan. And I'll tell you why. Because when they were up by... I believe it was four points. There was a pick and roll. You know, AD did his thing of showing and, and drop coverage. Bounce pass was made underneath the basket. It was LeBron's rotation. Marvin Bagley was the guy that he was guarding, and he was across the court deep in the right corner. And you would have had to have Alex Len, who I, I believe I believe it was Alex Len, make a you know a skip pass, extra pass to that right corner for Marvin Bagley. LeBron was not quick on the rotation, and that's what he prides himself on on defense, on being there for those rotations, being that safety on the weak side. And he was nowhere to be found on that. That made it a two-point game. And then, to make matters worse, this man came back, dribbled or missed two consecutive threes. If you'll remember on that left wing, Russell Westbrook got an offensive rebound. He gave it right back to him for two clean cut looks at threes and he missed them. And then on the following play, a pick and pop with Tyrese Halliburton and Alex Len, LeBron was putting that pick and pop and he just treated Alex Len like he was a nobody, didn't close out at all. Len makes a three and the Kings take a one point lead with 342 left in the game. And those were huge plays by LeBron missed. And as the best player on the team, you know, you're not trying that hard throughout the game let's be real you have not tried to go to the basket at all you got to make a couple crucial defensive plays here you know missing jump shots is missing jump shots but that was an excusable effort in my opinion you know 
They put Malik Monk and Carmelo Anthony back in and whatnot. And it looked like the Kings, De'Aaron Fox came back and made, came back and made a shot. And then Tyrese Halliburton got to the rim. They went up by 5, 98-93. And you're thinking that the Kings are about to win this thing. I thought that was it. But, oh man, there was so much more left in the tail. And Russell Westbrook. And this one thing I like, though. This is the one I was talking about. The one moment, in my opinion, probably Russell Westbrook's best moment off the ball in his in his Laker young Laker career so far. LeBron had the ball on the left side of the court posting up and all eyes on him, and he cut on the weak side when they were doubling, and Westbrook had that ferocious dunk. You know, they came back and got a stop, and Westbrook found Malik Monk in transition to tie the game at 98. That was huge. Uh, LeBron coming back and making the, I believe it was the reverse layup on the other end. And that was a great back and forth. De'Aaron Fox tying the game. But that last look by LeBron, you know, you knew he was getting the ball again to, after you've just missed two three-pointers in a row, to settle like that, to not try to get into a pull-up, which again, I noticed all game long two things about LeBron, the same things I talked about. I don't know if I talked about it, is the NBA getting better, which again are my prized possession videos that I worked so hard on. So if you guys want to see the best videos I've ever made. Go check those out. But LeBron, he is not comfortable stopping on a dime, pulling, going right. He is not. He likes to get all the way and get his shoulder into you. He does not have counters like at a high level for, for the goatiness of his status and how good of a score he is in terms of his all-time, always being able to score 25. He's just so good with that shoulder. He's so strong. But And he's gotten so much better at his jumper and just reading the defense and, and benefiting off the spacing that he's had in the NBA the last five years, six years. But that dude does not have, because like, he brings he likes to bring the ball from the left side of his body into the top of his head. It's not a clean shot going right. He has to open up his hips real wide, and he just doesn't move that way. He's so big now. It doesn't move the way he did in Cleveland. His his first tenure in Cleveland, I'm, I'm saying. he His form and his mechanics and the way he moved was so much cleaner back then, but he just didn't make the shots with the same frequency. He's a better shooter now, but he has no... He can, he's, he's got that right turn over the right shoulder down pretty pat, but he never turns over his left shoulder anymore, and you saw it tonight. Even Buddy Heald was able to contain him in the post on various possessions. Embarrassing. Buddy Heald is not a good defender. He's able to contain LeBron because I guess they're reading the scouting report, these guys. You know, he's got to be able to, even if he can't shoot a jumper turning over the left shoulder, spin and get to the rim. You're LeBron James. You've always been able to at least spin over both shoulders to the rim, right? Because I know he's got that right shoulder turnaround down much better now. But yeah, going right, that pull, there's no pull up there. So, and left, he usually needs to come to a full stop. He likes that runner off the glass, which you saw him making double overtime. But that shot, Laker fans, tell me what you think of that shot. Contested three, it wasn't even close, you know? He doesn't want to get to the line. He may be afraid for he may be afraid to miss free throws if he goes to the rim. But the thing is, all you needed was one there. So that was weak. Anyway, overtime. It was I liked the areas LeBron was catching the ball. It was all LeBron, though. Every single time, post up at the right elbow, which I liked. But the problem is this man takes too long to get going. He likes to survey the floor, but surveying a little too long, and he just dribbles so much. Guys, I'm telling you, do y'all hoop? Because if you did, how many of you guys, unless you're spot-up shooters, would really enjoy playing with this guy sometimes? This is, like, I sympathize with his teammates sometimes just watching him do this. I know he's LeBron James, and you have to give him respect, and he's such a good on-ball decision maker, one of the best players to ever play. But seriously, man, people get it twisted. 
Everybody used to call Kobe a ball hog, man. I'm looking at the tape, and it's not like this. This man stands. He dribbles too much. I don't care how old he is. These are decisions. Pass the fucking ball. Don't give me that old stuff. If you're old, pass the ball to young bucks. Stop making excuses. These are simple IQ things. And I'm actually going to get mad because I've been actually very generous to LeBron this season. This is total bullshit. This is the type... And I, I'm only getting mad because I respect the game of basketball too much. I don't care if it's a random regular season game. This has happened a lot even since I've started my channel. And once we go back and watch the footage of him over the years in the early Cleveland days and different things, you will find other problems. I'm telling you, it's never all come together uh, for this guy in terms of certain things in his skill set, like y'all think. you know. And that's not a dig. LeBron's still goaty as hell. He's one of the best to ever do it. But this man, take like he wastes too much movement for me. He holds on to the ball really long, and it took a lot of guys out of rhythm. It just it took the it made the momentum shift on a dime when they went up five in that overtime. He was playing well in that overtime, but I don't remember what it was. I think it was the possession where he was against Marvin Bagley and he held on to the ball the whole shot clock. And he got or traveled and almost got blocked by Bagley because he didn't fall for his pump fake over that turn over the right shoulder because he knew it was coming. They go down and score, De'Aaron Fox, I believe, and then LeBron again comes down, holds on to the ball a ton, shoots a three, and then Buddy Heald makes a three. That's momentum. That's momentum. You have killed rhythm. You're not moving the ball, dude. LeBron has to have, supposedly, by many people, the highest IQ in history of the game. To me, as high IQ as he is, that's the most overrated part to me of his game. In terms of relative to other all-time greats, I'm only saying that. Not relative to his peers, relative to other all-time greats. Your Duncans, Jordans, Russells, Kareem, Magic, Johnson, Bird, Kobe, all these guys. Relative to them, it is overrated. People really give him too much credit to me. Vogel, terrible. I just, you know, he just makes weird decisions. But you got to give some accountability to the players here as well, man. That, by the way, so the Lakers, yeah, they went back and forth in that overtime. LeBron, what did he do at the end of that OT? I actually kind of liked it better when it was Westbrook and AD handling the ball or doing more pick and rolls with Westbrook under the controls in the second overtime. And remember, if you guys remember correctly, in that overtime, the Lakers went up by two with nine seconds left when a nice Russ and AD pick and roll and a nice pocket pass by Russ and a good finish by AD. By the way, De'Aaron Fox, he was making some tough shots, man. But Buddy Heald's one-foot step back on LeBron in the in the end of the first overtime was ridiculous. That was just a crazy shot. Buddy Heald has moments like that. I mean, the most three-pointers I've ever seen a player make in a game, Buddy Heald at TD Garden 2019-20. If you want me to post videos of that game, by all means, I can do it. He was hot. I got good videos of that game. 11 threes. Celtics beat the Kings uh, before the pandemic 2019-20. LeBron gets a chance to win the game again with a deep three at the end of overtime. Misses that one. Can't really get too mad at that. All the shots at that point, jumpers-wise, started to be short because he's losing his legs. And he starts out, you know, you start out the second overtime with an Anthony Davis 16-foot miss. And then you have LeBron missing another three. Like, as if you need more threes. And De'Aaron Fox just continued to get in that mid-range. But I really liked how Russ started playing in that second overtime. It started to go through him. He hit a mid-range. He got AD involved. And I really liked that two-man game. That, that left-handed and one that AD made on a lob from Russ to put the Lakers up three in that 
in that second overtime. That was impressive, and that's what AD can do. And I think the Lakers got to go to a lot more Russ AD pick and rolls because I like LeBron catching and shooting off the ball a lot better than Russ. I think that that's a a sacrifice that needs to be made. But it's just there's so much sacrifice going on. They just LeBron's just kind of in weirds at times. Sometimes he takes over without Russ. It's just it's such a weird dynamic. By the way, shout out to Tyrese Halliburton because he was making his threes tonight. Like it felt like he was making every open three. I think he only missed like one or two jumpers, it seemed. But big three to tie the game at 117. And then, you know, Buddy Heald continued in overtime and double overtime, you know, putting the lake hitting another three to put the Kings up 120 to 119. And then De'Aaron Fox with a big shot to put the Kings up again. LeBron, though, another chance to win the game with 40 seconds to go at the foul line with the Lakers down one. And he goes with the classic. And I called it because it was right on the average. Six out of eight had he made one out of two. Le one out of two. And that tied the game. The Kings had an absurdly terrible, even though De'Aaron Fox did such a great job of getting the two for one. And I like that LeBron went to the basket, by the way. But, and I like that he was aggressive to start the first overtime too. But then again, I'm just saying he slows shit down, kills rhythm. But anyway, that take was good by LeBron to get the foul. But to miss the free throw gave the Kings a chance to win the game. And I don't know how the Sacramento Kings don't get a shot off. De'Aaron Fox waited way too long to get into his stuff. Oh my goodness. That was terrible. And then the third overtime was... You know, a tie game when LeBron made that and one bank shot going left. But then everything started to turn. LeBron missed a free throw on that very bank shot. Then he comes down and misses a three after De'Aaron Fox makes two free throws. Bagley scores on a short roll when they trapped De'Aaron Fox at the top because he was starting to hit too many shots and get to the rim. They were having real problems with De'Aaron because they really don't have a defensive stopper to guard a guy like De'Aaron. Anthony Davis is their best defender, and he is not gonna guard like fast six foot four guards. Like that's not he can't do everything on defense. They have no wing stoppers. And Ariza, guys, if you think Ariza is going to be the answer to that, you're dreaming. That's where Caruso was huge. That's where KCP was big. You don't have that guy, and that's going to come. I said it before the season in the preview. Even a Dennis Schroeder, that's going to come to back to bite the Lakers going down the line against elite opposition. De'Aaron Fox was getting what he wanted. That led to the trap. Kings were up five after Marvin Bagley scored on the short roll. And then De'Aaron Fox... Got to the rim and they were up seven and that was all she wrote. You know, the Lakers made a little push at the end. Russ didn't stop fighting, but that was it. The Lakers blew it. After leading by 13 in the fourth quarter, 141 to 137 is the final score at the Staples Center. The Kings win it in triple overtime. The first triple overtime I've ever talked about on Dime Dropper. So let's get hands in the chat, ladies and gents. For the first time, I'm talking about a triple overtime game. It's a pleasure to do that. Uh, let's read the lines, uh, guys. By the way, the Lakers turned the ball over too much tonight. 19 times for the Lakers, 15 for the Sacramento Kings. Points in the paint were virtually equal. The Lakers shot 50% to the Kings 45%, but the Lakers shot 18 less shots than the Kings. 120 for Sacramento, 102 for the Lakers. And a lot of those are our second chance. As you look at the offensive rebounds, 
16 offensive rebounds for Sacramento, 9 for the Lakers. So we talk about small ball. We talk about AD at the 5. They got to do a better job of gang rebounding. Uh, let's see. Alex Len, I think he had a really solid game tonight. 12 points, 8 rebounds on 4 of 8 shooting. Made some big shots in the 4th quarter. Tyrese Halliburton, 5 of 9 from 3. 7 of 15 from the field overall. 19 points, 6 rebounds, 9 assists, and 5 steals. I noticed that. Really long arms, great anticipation, and the ga- the play that virtually sealed the game was when Malik Monk tried a cross-court one-handed pass when the Lakers were down 5 in triple overtime. Tyrese came up with a steal, and that was all she wrote. He telegraphed that one, Malik Monk. You could see his eyes. You could see him wind back, or the wind-up, as he cocked his arm back. And Stu was saying in commentary, you got to throw a bounce pass there. Uh, that's true. It is a hard bounce pass to throw across the court like that, though, especially in stride. But um, Tyrese Halliburton, good game. Buddy Heald, even though he didn't shoot the ball well, 8 of 21 and 3 of 13 from 3. His 25 points, 4 rebounds, and 6 assists were invaluable. Huge shots down the stretch to help them win the game. I already said Tristan Thompson, 13-5 and five on 6-7. De'Aaron Fox had to be the player of the game, though. 34 points, 6 rebounds, 8 assists, 15 of 32 from the field. That's a lot of shots, but they won the game, and he's the star of this team, so I like to see it. 2 of 7 from 3, plus 15, which was the highest of any Sacramento King and any player in the entire game. The Lakers... Taylor Horton Tucker, he only played 24 minutes. He had seven points on three of five shooting. Wayne Ellington, only 16 minutes, but I thought he was actually pretty good. Six points on two of two and two of two from three. So he didn't get a chance to even miss. I already talked about Carmelo, 16 points, six of 13 from the field and four of nine from three. Malik Monk, 20 points, eight of 11 from the field and four of seven from three. I thought he was really solid. And then the big three, Anthony Davis, 9 of 22 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3, 5 of 8 from the foul line. That's not good enough. 23 points, 8 rebounds, and 4 assists, 3 steals, 4 blocks, so his defense was good. 49 minutes played, though, and you're only giving the Lakers 23 points. That's not good enough. This is supposed to be the guy that's supposed to take this team by the scruff of the neck and make them. How many times have we heard this is going to be AD's team this season? Two years in a row now. This is getting out of hand. LeBron, 30 points, which looks good. Seven rebounds, 11 assists, seven turnovers, 10 of 25 from the field, only 40%. Two of 13 from three. LeBron James, the majority of his shots should never be threes, especially when he's shooting over 20 shots. That's insane. Eight of 11 from the line. One of them was a crucial miss. He did not play well. I don't care what his stats say. Westbrook was the best player for the Lakers. 29 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists, and only three turnovers. He still got a triple-double, 10 of 18 from the field. I think it may be time to just unleash Westbrook and for LeBron to take a big back seat. But I don't know because then Westbrook sometimes has his bad games and LeBron's still LeBron. It's just, it's a shit show. And it's going to take one game at a time. And Frank Vogel's going to really be in the hot seat now because he does not have any offensive clue. He has no rotational clue. His starting lineups are weird. And it's just weird. So let me know what you guys think, Laker fans. The vlog for the Clipper game will be released tomorrow. Make sure you hop into my Twitter spaces every Thursday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific time. 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern time. Any topic you want, any question you want about the league, 
It can be about anything else, but NBA, old, new, whatever you got. Peace, guys. Now we're going to the live subscribers waiting oh so patiently at this 1226 a.m. night in Los Angeles. Peace out, y'all.